Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn um, and semi-alive after my second dose of, uh, of uh, Moderna vaccine. Uh, as always, my intrepid co-host is joining me from the West Coast. Hello, Stuart. Yo, hey. Um, so today we have actually quite a few little news items. Some of them are like a lot of fun. And um, our review recap today is uh, the episode Divergent in uh, The Walking Dead, another Carol Daryl episode. And uh, But before we get to that, let's kick it off. Uh, let's kick it off with some overall news. Um, so, so what's going on? On the West Coast here, you know, things are kind of, they're opening up vaccines to more people. It's open to 50 years of age and older now, and they're looking to open it up more. Um, my experience yesterday when I got my second dose was just honestly just seamless and fast. I, I think it was about 16 minutes, including the time I had to wait um, to make sure I wasn't having a reaction. And they seem to have it down at least. Uh, so that's Good news. Uh, the bad news is that I think um, more of the variants they're finding, that's sort of now the predominant strain that they're seeing, which is tough because I don't know what's happening now, uh, like on your coast, but here the, with the, the nicer weather and everything, people are just like out. Um, mm-hmm. And where I had to go and get my, my dose, um, I have not been on the subway a lot. This is like probably maybe the fourth time this year I've been on the subway and um, there is a marked difference between my neighborhood and the Lower East Side, which is where I got mine. And, um, it's a little, I mean, people are wearing masks, but there's like a lot of people out dining in COVID cubes, as I call them. Like, I don't know why they think that we've talked about this before, but they're like really kind of closed up weird little plasticky cubes and are these are these the they're like built into parking spots or a lot of yeah, them yeah yeah and then you have like walls between them yeah i was in san francisco <laughs> the last uh, couple days because it's spring break uh oh, so nice. i take my vacations when schools are out these days and we we actually went somewhere we like all right 12 months in let's Do go it. somewhere so we went to we got an airbnb we were walking around the city doing tourist stuff and honestly for being in a big city like there's no international tourism travel right now, right? Hmm. It's honestly kind of the best time to do tourist stuff in a city that that you wouldn't ordinarily do um, because it would be like mobbed. So it was actually kind of great. Oh, that's good. Um, so yeah, there were people out because it was a beautiful sunny uh, week in 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 the city, and, and so a lot of people were out. But we everything we were doing was outside ex- except one thing. We did the immersive Van Gogh. Oh yeah, which is I in heard a, about in that. A warehouse, and that's timed entry, and you have your circle that you can stay in. Yeah. Um, and so that, and, and yeah, masks are everywhere. I didn't see anyone, but no, there are, you know, you're in a city, there's going to be people not wearing masks. Um, the lunatic fringe, yeah, et cetera. Well, we went, uh, uh like we had the, the same, like for the most part, people were wearing masks and that was definitely true. But like when you, when you're looking at where people are eating and stuff and they're eating in these kind of weird places where I'm like, there's just no way they're not sharing germs in there. Um, there's no yeah. way things are not spreading in there. And we did end up, you know, there's one of our favorite, um, restaurants is called Rosie's and it's like a really incredible, like taco Mexican restaurant place. And we've been missing it. That's one of like the places we've really been missing. You can't really do takeout very well from there, obviously. Um, cause it's not in our, in our neighborhood, but, um, we were talking 
to one of the managers. And obviously we were outside. They had, you know, the way they have set it up is very, you know, they've been very, very careful. Um, and the manager was telling us that, you know, it's been tough because um, you have a lot of people being careful, but then you, there's some patrons that come in and just are being like kind of belligerent and, and thwarting it. And, you know, it's up to the people at the restaurant to basically say, hey, you got to go and put this on. He's like, but it's sort of like everybody who comes into work, they need to work. But there's like this sort of inherent risk, basically, um, just because you're really dependent on other people being smart about it. And again, he said this is, you know, it's it's rare, but um uh, he he was really but i have to say i was very happy to see how careful they were being and and they have taken just extraordinary precautions it, at their place but that was not what i was seeing at other places you know so um i don't know but san francisco did you did you go out to eat did you yeah, okay yeah, we mostly cool. got got delivery or yeah but so that was another thing was like good restaurants that didn't do delivery before are doing it now and this is not like a new re- revelation this has been going on throughout covid but in the city it meant that we could have dim sum and um, and get Indian food, which I can't always get. And so we we definitely took advantage of of the cuisine options. And then we did sit out at um, on some of those COVID cubes um, now and now and again when we were out on the town. But it was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, it felt safe and. Um, well, some it honestly it honestly depends on how the COVID cubes are set up. Like, I think if they're basically set up so that it's like just you and your party are being kind of well, that was the idea. Yeah, yeah. like I think that those are fine. But I'm seeing what I'm seeing is a lot of like kind of I don't want to call it COVID theater, but that's kind of what it is because there's just no way that just with the ventilation and things that they have set up in these things that this is a good idea. Um, which just from what we know yeah. about how this is. We definitely um, saw some of that too. Like yeah. we also did a ride on this Ferris wheel thing, which is a, like only, only your party would go into the um, gondola, mm-hmm. if you will. And they're taking temperatures before you could go on. And the guy doing the temperatures is like, all right, let me just take your temperature. Beep, 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 goes through the whole family. Doesn't look at any of the readings as far as I yeah. can tell. Cause I was there holding my breath. Cause my kid has uh, extremely yeah, yeah, yeah. hot, hot face. Yeah. Uh, but it did nothing triggered. So I was just like, Oh, Okay, we're just we're just gonna pretend, like not look at the re- okay, whatever, man. I I want to get on this Ferris wheel, so cool. Yeah, so I don't know. It's I mean I think things are sort of getting back to to normal. I guess my only hesitation is that I just think it's not quite ready to go fully back to normal. But clearly people are ready. Like they're just champing at the bit to try to get it, it to just get it uh get it going. Um, so we'll see what happens. But again, I was really impressed with the amount of mask wearing and stuff. So I'm definitely not being negative about that aspect. Um, but I certainly will feel better once I get past the whatever number of days it means that I'm at least the mostly vaccinated. So it's a couple of weeks, right? It's two weeks yeah. and then you're, then you're good to go. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, even with the Pfizer and Moderna after the first dose, you're probably at about 80%, they say. So the second dose is honestly just to up that um, to kind of give your immune system something to grab onto and be like, yep, this is what you're recognizing so that you fight it. Um, so, you know, so I'm pretty, you know, it's it's decent at this point. So I, I'm not feeling quite as quite as stressed. But awesome. um, but in any case, let's talk about some, some news items because there's some really interesting stuff. Um, Dead Again trailer, which uh, is a Brit uh, zombie film and uh, it's you know they're definitely going for like a bit of a Shaun of the Dead thing on this um, 
I don't know how it will be. There was another. Or uh, what was the name of the hot fuzz? Hot fuzz, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of going for that feel. Um, and, you know, there was a film called Dead Again that was released in like the 90s with Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. It was like a really small little film but managed to get Robin Williams was in it and whatever. Uh, it's like a film noir thing. It is in, who else is in it? Like Andy Garcia, um, Derek I Jacobi. Like I saw that when it came out, but I don't remember it's, anything about the it's plot. It's kind of overly dramatic, but it is kind of like fun. I, I don't know. Like there's some bad things about it too, but um, I think it was one of those fun little projects that a lot of people, you know, people just were like, ah, we'll get together and do this little thing. Um, but it was kind of fun. So, uh, you know, that, but this is not that. This is not, this is a different dead again. Um, they filmed it in four days. Um, and I, I'll definitely give it a go. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm like, hey, anything that is trying to at least aspire to be like Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead, like I, I'm going to give that a try. What do you think? I think this looks terrible. Of course like, it does. It's supposed to look terrible. Extremely bad. I mean, I'm saying that knowing the some the kind of bad stuff that we have seen before. <laughs> but but don't you want to rip it apart? No. Um, I don't no, know. No, I don't think I I don't think that this even rises to the level of of it review does, worthy. I will yet. say, anytime something takes four days to shoot, that is a bad sign. So I don't know exactly what the intention was, but it takes kind of some chutzpah to be invoking the name of Edgar Wright as something that you're trying to be if you're not coming near that. So I don't know. I think it might be worth seeing at least a bit of this to see how it did. Just saying. I saw the trailer. I, like I did was, too. It's it's that, that, that meets my, uh, <laughs> what I need to see. Okay. But if you felt like that about this one, how did you feel about Aquarium of the Dead? Absolutely the same. Yes. That one yeah. was even Aquar- Aquarium more impressively of the weird. Dead. It, it definitely has some Sharknado DNA. Oh, yeah, definitely, without question. Uh, it's got a lot of um, weird prosthetic and CG <laughs> fish animals. You know they were very excited about Octopus Zombie, right? Like, that looked impressive. Octopus Zombie, starfish, like, adhesive mm. <laughs> zombies. Oh, oh, boy. Yeah, um, yeah the, the, the fish are going to kill you. And the, well, I guess the seals, too, so it's not just fish. But all the creatures in the aquarium become zombies, maybe, and then are going after the people. I didn't see any human zombies in the trailer, did you? No, only the animal zombies. So we'll we'll have to, I don't know if we can bear both of these, but maybe we will. It depends on how desperate we get for content later on, I suppose. Um, and then more exciting, um, we've talked we talked up for a smidgen about this, but there's the Cold War Dead zombie, um, sorry, Cold War Dead comic series. Um, that was in Heavy Metal Magazine, and this is something George Romero did, um, and there's an interview with him, and it looks kind of cool, so I'm interested. George Sorry. C. Romero. George C. Romero. Um, it looked, you know, and, and I, I remember being excited when we even saw this teased, so it would be, maybe we should check it out. I think I want to. Um, but this looked, and they're just having the, the interview with him and how he thinks about things and how he always thinks about his universes is kind of interesting. So, Yeah. I I, uh, I hadn't heard of George C. Romero. I feel like in the well, maybe we've have talked about this project, but we've definitely talked more about George Romero, George A. Romero's right, daughter, right, right. I think, than the son. So um, I was kind of interested well, to see that this guy's got his own thing going on too. He's got his own thing. It's interesting because it's like you know he kind of grew up steeped in this stuff, um, and you know I think. I'd, it it sounds like at least from what he was saying in the interview that it it 
feels like something that would be interesting to read in any case to see how they are, are envisioning this. Um, you know, and, and obviously he's got the Romero name, so there's definitely some buy-in with that. But he was talking about this world very intelligently. So I think, I mean, I'm certainly, I, it piqued my interest, so I'm certainly going to give it a go. And plus, it's not like a very long series, at least at this point. So um, we can we can kind of see see where it goes if you're up for it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and lastly, this is Demp's fight. I don't know. This is kind of interesting, but uh, Mr. Kirkman of Walking Dead fame um, had an AMA. Um, I'm sure the AMA was to promote Invincible, which is probably, now available to yes. stream on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I haven't watched an episode yet. Have you I seen have it? not seen it yet, but Mr. Scott Gimple is definitely attached to this. So this may be why this came up. And a fan is basically he attached to Invincible. I thought so. I know that they've worked on another comic book. I am almost together. positive that he's attached to it. And if I'm wrong, apologies. But um, in any case, uh, as we know, Scott Gimple, and we're definitely in this group of people who have <laughs> made some comments about it. But um, apparently during this AMA, a fan basically said that they stopped watching the series because Scott Gimple ruined it. And uh, Robert Kirkman basically said... Um, no, that's not true. He just thinks about it in a different way. And, you know, one thing I will definitely say, um, that I think should be, I think people should take this into account in general. Um, I've certainly liked some things that Scott Gimple has done and there's yeah, been some the really amazing, it's not black and white at no, all. No. And there's been some amazing things, but I also think that this is an incredibly complex and difficult series. Um, there's, storyline upon storyline in the in the comics in the graphic novels and then you've also got to kind of think far ahead where it's going to take you the different storylines it's and and also you're you're kind of left with where people have left you with storylines too when you become a showrunner um I certainly didn't agree with some of the things and I do think that he maybe ran into a wall and there were some choices that he made that I certainly am not, not a fan of, but I also understand that this is a, a complex show to try to do, be a showrunner of, and clearly everybody is so invested in it um, that it's hard to do right. I will say Angela Kane, in my opinion, is extraordinary, and she really gets it in a way that I think maybe he didn't, or gets it in a different way, or maybe in a way that you and I agree with more. And one thing that I think she does really well that I think, unfortunately, he kind of, I think he got backed into corners um, and then tried to make these, the decisions you and I dislike so much, which is that characters suddenly do things that you definitely can't see them doing. Like you've built these characters to a certain point and then suddenly they're like exactly the opposite just to try to pivot the storyline into another direction because you were back into a corner. She doesn't do that. And I think we've definitely seen that, especially in this season where, um, you know, and, and even with the restrictions of COVID and whatever, and she's really done this like, I don't want to say a love letter to these characters, but she understands these characters, and I think the writer she has on staff understands them too. And this most la latest episode is case in point, basically, in my opinion. The thing that Kirkman says in this uh, AMA that I think is most telling is that he says that nobody on Earth cares more about Walking Dead than Scott Gimple, which is insane because he created it. And yeah, so he's yeah. basically saying Scott Gimple cares more about Walking Dead than Robert Kirkman. 
uh, Robert Kirkman is maybe over The Walking Dead. I don't know, or or he just knows that in Gimple he's got this uh, this guy who has really embraced it and taken it on to himself. And I agree with everything you're saying about Angela Kang, but I do think that yeah, Gimple's not perfect. He is responsible for some of the moments that I think I like the most from this series, and I I always attribute those little diorama scenes to to Gimple because they started in season two when I think he was just getting um, getting going under Glenn Mazzara, Mazzara as the showrunner. And and the other thing is, I do think he failed in a significant way, and not just in character inconsistencies, hmm. but with the, the Savior War plotline, where the show almost did stall out and completely fail, and it took, and it has taken Angela Kang to come in and really revitalize the show yep. starting at the end of the Savior War. But like the the couple seasons there, basically after everything from that um, cliffhanger se- um, season ender with uh, was it a season ender or mid season when Glenn and Abraham you know bit the bullet, everything for two seasons after that were it was really touch and go. And if you've listened to our podcast, we slogged through those seasons and weren't super pumped about it, honestly. Right, absolutely, um... and that's all attributed, unfortunately. To, to Gimple like that was before he became the overlord of the storyline right and then and- I guess in that role he has continued to he hasn't necessarily kept up the, the the standards that I would like to see him with uh with Fear the Walking Dead and those two new show, showrunners if presumably he as this like overarching you know command of the storyline if right. he supposedly has that that those two were not kept on on no. and task I, nearly well enough. Their and again, season. the same thing was happening with those shows that we disliked about the seasons that he was primarily involved in for The Walking Dead. Um, I yeah, do take it back. Real continuity problem there. Yeah, he's not attached to Invincible. I'm thinking. I was thinking of ex uh, Walking Dead people, and obviously, I, you know, I think Stephen Yoon is and a couple other people, yeah. but not him. Um, he, but he did apparently have some involvement in the spinoff that's coming up and some other stuff. But as as you just said, like I'm not sure how much I trust that because again, it's some of the storylines we've seen with Fear of the Walking Dead have been honestly kind of anemic and boring because yeah, it's and like the world beyond too. Yeah, like yeah. that one, he's you know he's looking over Matt Negrete's shoulder as that dude's the showrunner for that mm-hmm. limited series, and that show, that first season was weak sauce. Yep, agreed. In, in like multiple ways, especially that finale. Oh my gosh, the twins are geniuses. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, I but again, I, I do want to put this out there just in general, like, look, for these people that are out there creating things, and I do like him, and I think he's got some fantastic ideas. Um, but maybe, I mean, look, sometimes maybe it's an overarching, um, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not being the showrunner, maybe it's, I don't know, they're... they're is some, I just think it's a lot more complicated than than fans sometimes give it credit for, um, and you know, like, and I think recognizing how hard that job is, I'm gonna, I will say that, and there's definitely been some Scott Gimple things that I think have been amazing. So, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a little bit of a. It's not, it's not a simple like total hate, though. I certainly wish that things had gone in a different direction, but as we know, these productions are so complicated. There's a lot going on with them, and there's also probably a lot of politics that we are not unaware of. So. Some of these decisions that are made are probably not necessarily obvious to everybody about why. Um, so, just saying that. But anyway, that's it. Brave, brave of Robert Kirkman to go yeah. onto Reddit and do an AMA, given the yeah, the, um, the, the fan base. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that it was an absurd thing for anybody to say that Gimple ruined the show. I think. Yeah, no, and I think, but you know what? Sometimes on those AMAs, that's exactly the kind of question that people ask, and then it gets all these like clickbaity things happening, which is exactly what happened here. And you know, I think people say these things to try to, you know, I don't know, the, try try to like egg people on and see if something will stick. And so there you go. Um, but I am ready to chat about Diverged. Are you? We should. Yes, let us let us let us know. And then this is uh, directed by David Boyd and written by Heather Belson, I believe. Sure. Um, and this is a Carol Daryl episode, sort of, um, not together as we saw it before, and it's a bit of a continuation of what we saw in the, their episode um, um, t- that we that had featured them earlier, um, and you know. It, they are basically in this, they're walking back, or so we think, and um, this episode basically deals with a bit of the aftermath of the things that they've said to each other and where they are currently. I mean, they had a they had a real talk moment yep. uh, on the porch of Leah's old house. So, yeah, like th- there, there needed to be some sort of aftermath. And that was, it was an abrupt ending to that episode where they just had this <laughs> really harsh uh exchange right and and then it ends with carol saying oh i'm gonna fix this door and that's the like there's no we don't see the aftershocks and so that's what basically this whole episode is right um and you know this is the thing neither of these characters are really good about talking about anything uh they both tend to run they both tend to bury themselves in whatever other task is at hand daryl especially is very like um I am going to go hunting instead of talk about emotions or whatever he's got to do. Uh, wander out through the woods like some kind of weird hermit. Um, Carol does similar things. Um, she'll she'll maybe talk or talk to other people a little bit more, but there's definitely this sort of like this passive aggressive thing going on where she's just trying to, to sort of avoid thinking about something. And I mean, I think it's very, very clear that they both know that something has been damaged here. They're trying to kind of I don't know, not have a truce per se, but they don't clearly want to talk about it any further. Um, but there is a, you know, some exchanges between them where it's sort of like, you know, that thing when you're mad at your friend and you just don't want to take any help from them. And, you know, she's like walking along trying to open this, this canteen and he offers her his knife to help. And she reluctantly takes it. And, but they're just not, they're not like talking. All of this is very much about sort of actions between them. And she, even, you know, she does say something like, oh, you don't have to apologize. And he's like, I wasn't going to. <laughs> and like, there's just like this awkward thing between them at this point. Um, and it's pretty clear that he's not going back to Alexandria with her. Um, yeah. Although as this episode plays out, you're like, why didn't he? Because he does as soon as he can. <laughs> well, know? honestly, it's not like he had something specific in mind, clearly, because uh, yeah. he goes to a bunch of stuff. And then he does go back to Alexandria without having accomplished anything. Right. But I think that part of what it was is that he just needed some time alone to maybe process some of the things that just happened between them. This is one of his longest standing relationships. And in fact, mm-hmm. I think you could say it's the longest standing continuing one since Maggie had left. Rick's supposedly dead. Michonne's off doing her whatever. And oh, they're definitely their longest. Yeah, because yeah, he, like he they, was the first one of the of the like hardcore survivor cast to reach out to Carol Mm -hmm. in season two, when Sophia's missing in the woods, he's the one who is going to her and saying, I'm going to go out and find your daughter. And he's the one bringing her flowers and, and doing all this kind of outreach to her, even when he's actually kind of shunning the rest of the group 
uh, back in season two, which I know is a million years ago in the show's chronology. But like they, yeah, that was the beginning of this like tight bond that they have, and and it's been ever since. Yeah, I know, and and so of course he's troubled, she's troubled, um, and then they both kind of take the it's 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 like so you know ridiculously clear but they both take divergent paths in the in the woods <laughs> that um, scene with very dog. very oh, and gosh. then dog and then dog insults by insult to injury dog goes with her oh but he's torn you know yeah, dog's looking both ways that poor dog actor he does such great work he in this does episode. do good work um and good so boy. she but that's the thing is that and then they're both kind of lost without each other um they're both capable and everything like that but it's definitely a troubling time for both of them and they're trying to process some things yeah um, carol's and, going through a lot in her head but honestly like just the act of her going back to alexandria and trying to work on stuff yeah is her trying really hard to prove to daryl that she isn't just always running away right, right? so she's she's really working on this well, or at and least it, as and much as, as she can. She is, but it's also like this thing where, I mean, we saw this when she went to Oceanside. Um, she doesn't feel like she fits in a lot of places and she doesn't feel useful. Um, so unless you got Carol sort of like plotting to take out these sort of big bads and things like that, she's just not totally comfortable. Um, I guess she did have maybe a respite when she was with Ezekiel. Um, and that, and obviously just as royalty. She, yep. Um, and we didn't she, really get, I don't feel like I got a great sense of her day to day as the queen. No, but I mean, I think it she, was parenting in a way. Yeah. Like she and she was parenting Henry. Henry. And so she had something there. Um, and so now she's just a little bit lost. And, um, one thing, my only comment about this episode that I wish there had been slightly more of is that there was some interactions between her and Jerry, which I thought were incredible. I love him as a character and I just would like to see a little bit more of him, um, than they usually show. And, that was this, right? I mean, he had like four scenes. Mm -hmm. The first few, it does feel like they're not yeah. connecting at all. And he doesn't seem to really understand what she's talking about most of the time. Well, He's just kind of there. I felt like he should have had something on on like on like deck to give her to do. Nobody in Alexandria should not be working on something right, right now. But I think it's also showing that, you know, she's been away. There isn't really a place that she slots in. And all the things she's suggesting had already been done because, in fact, she had been away. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that he's also working hard and is just like somebody that never finds a lack of anything to do and just kind of does it. Um, I also think he is fully aware that there's something going on with her but he doesn't know how to to talk to her about it so talking about inane stuff and giving her a look like oh you are a little over the deep end um it's kind of what we're going to get from him and yeah that weird scarf um i that feel was like very strange it's like why, she picks up this ratty thing off the street and she's like i'm gonna fix this mm -hmm. and then she ends like the story of the scarf like the story of the pen knife in this uh in this episode are very are both kind of like parallel mm -hmm. and weird and and you know loaded with meaning but yeah i'd never had high hopes for the scarf no no frankly. the scarf looked like it was pretty far gone which i think anybody could see Unless um, it was like Leah's or something, because dog stops and sniffs at it. Mm. And I'm like, oh, OK, is this going to be like a, a bloodhound moment? And it's no, it's just like this is a dirty scarf just that I'm going to sniff. Scarf. Um, so she's, you know, and then she tells the story of Stone Soup, which I have heard. And there's also oh God, like a ton I've of. I've read that 150 yeah. times in the mm -hmm. last couple of years. Yep. And so. Her version is different from the one I know. Yeah, hers was definitely compressed i suspect um there's also one with like streganona is that the is that the one you know of um anyway um but no, she she is. goes is back witchcraft uh well it's a uh, yeah and never mind but they do the story of the stone soup in that but um 
the version that I know is basically like communism is good. Yeah, Um, kind of. I mean, that's kind of, I think, every version or or a lot of them. It's like a couple of poor travelers come into town and and everybody's locked up all their their groceries. And it's like, no, but if we all share. Yeah, pretty much. She, you know, she's in her quarters and dog is there and there's a rat and um you know we're seeing a little bit more of the after effects and they talk a little bit more about the dearth of food in the alexandria it's definitely a dire thing um and we see carol trying to make the best of it she's you know she is trying to make a soup she has a little bit of stuff and soup is something that can go a pretty long way um but she's also very unsettled and so um you know she really is rattled pretty easily she's in this like you know, there, basically, there's just so many different, um, like, roadblocks to her making soup or being helpful or useful or how she's feeling. She's feeling just totally powerless, I would say. Um, and so you see her focus changing, like, there's this one thing I can control. And in this case, the big sort of catalyst is the rat. Um, I will say the scene between her and dog where do- dog's going crazy trying to get the rat. Um, anybody who has had a dog and maybe dealt with any kind of an issue like this understands that a dog will not give up um, or <laughs> until they, like, get it. Cats, too, to some extent. But dogs, especially, like, of this variety, are not going to give up until they get it because um, they just are – they can smell it, basically. Um, and I digress by saying that I don't know if I told you this, but uh, we have discovered that there is a rather massive raccoon that's been making visits to our roof. Hmm. Um, and I admit I was caught a little off guard because <laughs> it's, it's unclear where it's coming from. Um, but it was we had noticed like prints up there in the wintertime on the snow. And I'm like, what is making these prints? Um, and it turns out it's a raccoon. We have not seen him recently, but when he's up there, he's making a lot of noise. Um huh. And, I and actually it, killed a rat just two, two days ago with oof. a shovel. Um, my neighbors are out of town, and I've been feeding their bearded dragon and their fish. And um, when I was out of town, my other neighbor was was helping out. And then yes, on Friday when we come back to town, I, I go over to their place, and I'm like getting lettuce out to feed to this dra- this lizard. And I look at the countertop, and there's poop on oh. the countertop, on the cutting board, on the dining room table, Yuck. on the floor. There's a sweet potato that has been like – there are shavings all around it. Like this thing has been going to town. And, um, and so we, me and my other neighbor, we make a plan. She puts down, well, she does a lot of this by herself. She puts down traps. Uh, and then she calls me Friday night and she's whispering and she's like, can you come over here? Uh, <laughs> I think I see it. And so I, I grab a shovel and I run over and, um, we look at, around the corner and it's in there. It's like barking weirdly, like rats barking. What? Uh, turns out it had been winged by one of the rat traps. And I, the, the tie end of the show is where are the actual rat traps? Uh, well, right. There, there and, should still be some, one would think. Right. And also uh, the rat trap. Long that... story short, I hit it with a shovel in it a few times. And then I was wondering, I really expected them to eat this rat uh, in this episode. Like I, I kind I of thought, thought that that's... that was going in the soup. So that's what I thought was happening too. That's not what happened. But um, this sort of frustrating thing just becomes the sort of MacGuffin, the thing that she's got to like control and can't control. And ultimately when she stops, it gets out of her life. Although we all know that that rat is coming back because there's a food source there. But, um, you know, my thing is, is that... Um, it's the trap that she sets up for it would definitely not hold a rat of this size. Um, and it's a pretty massive rat, or at least that's what it looks like. Um, yeah, it's a good size. It's and, bigger than the one that I got. And, you know, 
I, I felt like she reacted weirdly to it because she knew that there was a rat in there. Maybe she didn't expect it to be so big, but then that's how it gets she, away. I don't think she expected it to like slip out of the uh, out of some corner of the box, yeah, which is kind of what happens. And then, you know, Jerry freaks out a little bit when he sees it later. too. Yeah, so yeah. I think rats just have that effect on people. They it's, are it's terrifying. It's like a, a massive spider. You're kind of always going to be a little bit like, Whoa, you know. When you yeah, but it's interesting them. because squirrels are just kind of rat looking with the tails they look oh i don't trust squirrels man yeah they, if they, they don't freak run away me out. they freak me out a little too so um but in any case that's sort of the whole thing and and but there's like this whole thing where dog wrecks her room and um he's trying to get it and then you know poor dog is just sort of like all right i'm gonna hang with carol i know she's losing it a little bit and he's he's definitely a source of both frustration and comfort to her in this episode yeah. um even when she's going to her craziest, um, it's when, almost... When she goes to bed, she looks so lonely, yeah. right? But then there's Dog, and, and he's going to do out. that actually super annoying thing where he, like, shoves your arm around because yep. he wants you to be on him in a certain way. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, but I, I would probably go a little bit crazy trying to sleep with a dog with that much energy, but she looks at peace, sort of, or at least more happy than she did when she first sat down. Right, um, and... Yeah, so there, there's, like... You feel you feel for Daryl in those scenes. You're just like, oh, he's out there with nothing. Yeah. But it turns out he doesn't sleep. He's just fixing his motorcycle in the dark all night. And you know he's missing his trusty knife that he gave to Carol, and so he goes in search of another one because he can't fix his bike, I guess, without it. Um, he does have another knife, but it's just big and not quite as easy to use. And, um, you know, it's, you just kind of see how he just sort of manages things. And he, this has always been what Daryl does is that he's like, okay, I'm not going to think about the the stuff that just happened with Carol. I'm going to go, okay, my bike's broken. I'm going to fix it. And then ultimately, I think he just had such a crap night that he's like, all right, I'm just going to go back to Alexandria. Um, but you're right. He didn't have a specific task that we saw he was doing. Um, yeah. Or, and there wasn't. And, and you know, he does come out of it with a couple of multi-purpose tools, some knives and some MREs, um, MREs which he magazines. Seems, yep. Yeah, I think it's actually a really good haul. He finds those two soldiers and um, very smartly takes them out without having to fight a whole bunch of other yeah. zombies because there were quite a few others out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of enjoyed those. I liked looking at him rifling through their bags and getting fun. the good stuff. Those those Leathermen are kind of mint condition, though, considering they've been out in the rain for, um, you know, years. Yeah, maybe, but, but they've been in a thing, so maybe that helps. I don't know. Um, but in any case, he, you know, ends up back. And again, there isn't too much talking between him and Carol. And she's come to also an understanding you know, there is the interaction between her and Jerry and Jerry admits that he's coming to check on her and she looks, and I'm sure other people maybe heard the craziness that was happening at her house the night before (laughs) where she basically breaks down the wall to try to get to the rat. I'll admit to you when, when this was happening, I was afraid the whole wall of rats was going to come out of there. Wall of rats or just a bunch of walkers or who knows what was back there. Um, Uh, Like once she has broken down the drywall, you see that it's really just the normal amount of space you would expect between layers of sheetrock and some insulation. But when you're seeing it from the other side of the wall, when she's first making those cuts, it looks like there's a whole nother room back there. Oh, yeah. So it was a little bit confusing. It was. And I thought maybe she was going to find a food store. I just thought there was something else. This is in New York. There aren't secret apartments behind walls. (laughs) You saw that. That is terrifying. That woman's like video. Did you see it? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like a week of people in Jersey and New York finding secret basements <laughs> or secret secret apartments behind I mean, their bathrooms. I mean, apparently that's what the movie Candyman was kind of like. That's what inspired it was that, uh, well, it's kind of like a terrifying thing, but they were those kinds of rooms meant for like handymen and whatever. And there was some guy that was crawling into them and like attacking women for a few years before they figured out what was happening. So that's Jeez. how they based Candyman. Um, Candyman and even more in, in terrifying film premise but um in any case um i did think that there was something more to that um but it was fine that there wasn't and jerry comes by you know basically and he's just flat out like hey i, I could make up a reason but i'm kind of worried about you because you're acting like a freak um <laughs> so let's talk and you know this is kind of i would say this is one of the first times we've seen carol open up to somebody other than you know, other than Daryl in a while, but also, you know, Ezekiel, Ezekiel's gone. And so she doesn't have him. Um, Maggie's certainly not somebody I think that she's going to really necessarily bear her soul to. Um, yeah, but she spent a lot of time with, with right. Jerry and Ezekiel. So it makes sense. But yeah, I, I don't really get where Jerry, how, other than the nocturnal sounds, which I'm sure were pretty audible in a quiet community with no generators or no sounds, you know, you just suddenly hear somebody attacking a wall. Right. Um, I don't really get why he thought she was so damaged. The scarf thing, I think, was the biggest tell. Well, and then the next day yeah. or whatever, or later that day, he just sees her fixing the solar panels. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't see any, any other behavior that would suggest well, that she he was saw like, her, going off the he deep He saw end. her coming back from, you know, she goes oh, off. Oh, right, covered in blood after yeah, she found and I the mean, metals. He's like, he's like, everything okay? She's like, oh, yeah, it's peachy. She you honestly know? seems kind of happy right after she killed Yeah, but I think zombies. maybe that's what worries him is that he, she's just kind of like wandering around and uh, he just doesn't know how to ask. And so I think he works up the courage to do that. And they do come to kind of an understanding. And basically she confesses that how she's sort of feeling broken. And, um, so that's different. Um, and then by the time Daryl gets there, she seems not necessarily at peace, but maybe where she's trying to work through some, some things. And I wouldn't say that they have made up, but Daryl does, you know, leave the knife with her. She tries to give back to him. And so there is that, um, so that there is always this unspoken thing between them. And so I do think that there is hope clearly that it will be mended, but there's going to take some time. I would say. And then, you know, there is the funny thing where he's asking if dog was good. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's great. <laughs> Cause she'd have, maybe because she doesn't want to admit that he was bad. <laughs> uh, he wasn't that bad. It was a rat in the house. Yeah, what are you going to do? No, I think that's that's a good boy. And the scene where she is um, trying to chase the rat around the pantry. And she turns and, into the dog, basically. Well, you sh they, they cut back to dog every so often and his little haunches are quivering. Yeah. He's looking so excited, and he, but he's not barking. And right. I, I don't I, I don't know if this is a breed thing. Is he a Malwaz? I think so. He's a very like a police dog. Uh, yeah. Um, so. he, his little his little rump is just shaking. Mm -hmm. Not like from wagging his tail, though. He's just like ready to go and mm -hmm. i thought that was uh, he's he's a very ex expressive dog he did keep looking at the camera though so we're gonna have to give him some notes on that <laughs> poor dog um but you know and they both i think that that scene the last scene between daryl and carol in this episode was actually just i thought pretty incredible because so much is not so much is expressed and not said um and they both recognize that each other has had kind of a hell day um and they both comment on it um and but saying nothing, you know, yeah. and I, I, I do, I get it. That's like these They're two. Saying. And also this show would never just have them rehashing everything that we just as an audience watched happen. But friends and even people who are recovering from a big fight 
they might enjoy being able to recount the crap time they just had right. to each other because it's like a bonding thing. Right. And but... so a part of me would have liked to have seen, and I know they weren't doing that because they're not there yet maybe, but I would have liked to have seen them being like, and then this happened and oh right. my gosh, then I broke down the wall and oh, I killed two soldiers and found all this stuff. I just want to see them talking to each well, other like real, real I wanted people. something to happen a little bit more with a knife, I'll admit, and I thought that that's where it was going, but it didn't. And Again, this is kind of where they leave the audience wanting more with these two, because eventually they will talk, but it, they're not going to give it to us yet. And so um, just the fact that he's back, you can see she's very happy that he's back. And yeah. even the act of him letting her keep the knife is a big deal. And also, you know, honestly, regardless of anything, the fact that he's okay with dog being with her and he trusts her with the dog is a pretty big deal, too. So especially now that we know where the dog came from. Um, so... I think, you know, it's it's as you're not going to go, as I said, these characters are ex acting exactly like you would expect them to act. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll see a little bit more, I think, from them. But I still enjoyed this episode, even though it was a little bit less action packed than the last one. Um, and I still enjoy seeing the interactions between these two, even if, if it was separate, just how they both cope with different things. Um, and Angela Kang did her after commentary and it's kind of what she was saying is that these are both people that just have a really hard time <laughs> communicating and processing and they do things in different ways. And this was kind of a way to see what they do without each other to some extent. And I like, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, as usual, her epilogues are extremely valuable to, to just break down what they were thinking about. And she even talks about how the rat idea has probably been around in the writer's mm. room for a really long time. And I'm glad like that is probably a, like they, they need to address the fact that these kinds of pests would then become like a an existential threat to food supply and to, well, just you, you know, like your heebie jeebies. So I'm glad that they have been talking about these sorts of things in the writer's room and then they like figure out a way to get it into a story. And hey, presto, you've got yourself an episode. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I always love how what her commentary adds to different things. And I like the sort of the representation of the rat. Um, and, you know, like you, I kind of liked um, the idea of even addressing some of these things are, that are going to plague, you know, these kinds, these kinds of civilizations or these new little like um, compounds and things like that. Um, rats definitely go to where there's food sources. And, you know, one thing that struck me and it's exactly what you said is what happened to the rat traps? Like, how would you keep this at bay? Right. Not just rats, but mice, mm -hmm. um, anything that's going to try to scavenge squirrels, all those things, they're kind yeah. of in the middle of the woods. And, um, and these are, these are, um, animals that are not going to be easy to catch for zombies. And so they're right. probably exploding. In well, terms that's, of you know, that's kind of what I was thinking. And so I thought, I honestly thought that there would be more of a, like, I thought maybe she would come up with the total solution for the rat problem or something like that. I don't mind where they went with the episode, and I like that. I like that it's kind of been ruminating. Um, but it was just kind of, it, it was making me think about, oh, well, what would they do? Because these things are just totally destroying their, or maybe it's an idea of keeping, somehow how to keep the, the grain and everything safe in the face of, of these sort of like crazy populations of animals. Um, the other thing I thought though, was that it's exactly what you were saying that you thought she was going to use it for food. Well, if this is the animal population that's exploding, it seems kind of weird that they wouldn't figure out a way to somehow use this food as distasteful as that might be. It's still a food source, right? Daryl so, was eating squirrels in, in right. season one. Right. I mean, but we like, don't see a lot of that later. So it was kind of interesting that yeah, they're kind of acting like the, cause I just, I agree with you. I don't think, 
that the walkers are going to eat all the squirrels. They're too fast and plus up in trees a lot, right? So. Yeah. Well, squirrels might be a little harder to get. But if, I mean, and honestly, these are all hard to get animals. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, very, very interesting. Maybe they can go back to the hospital that was the um, scene of the finale and get some of those cats because that place was just full <laughs> was of cats full of for cats. no reason. Yeah. So but yeah, it would be cool if they could just have a whole ton of cats at Alexandria. I'd be I'd be OK with that. Um, so what is our the, the next episode coming up is here's Negan. And I think yep. then that is the end. I think that and, is the end. And then the following week, we see the beginning of uh, the second half of uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, so I'm ready to jump into that. And I'm psyched about that unless you want to do an interlude. And either way is fine with me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what, that there is anything else for us to. What? You don't want to watch Dead again? No, kidding. Um, anyway, no, I think that that sounds like a good plan. But I'm looking. I'm definitely looking forward to the next episode for obvious reasons because I love Negan as a character. I think he's really interesting. Um, so can't wait to talk about that with you. But um, if any of our listeners um, want to comment on this episode and on the way that the season is going, feel free to shoot us an email at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us, reanimatedpcast, or just leave a note on our website, reanimatedpodcast.com. Um, and until next time, ciao. Thank you and bye.